Hello and welcome to Cruising Through History. My name is Xander. I'm sitting here with Scott Cruz. Scott, where are we cruising through today? Well, as I mentioned last time, we always, whenever we think of Theodore Roosevelt, we always think of all the jobs he had in his life, you know, president, vice president. But what I'm going to talk about today is his expedition to South America, to Brazil in particular, okay. uh, in 1913. This was an expedition that he did with a man named Colonel Candido Rondon, who was part of the Brazilian military. And they went down the Rio da Duvida, which I probably just massacred, which was called the River of Doubt. Okay. And it was an exploring expedition, if you will. And the amazing thing about it to me is that this was after he was president. And it really it was after he failed to be elected as a third party candidate in 1912. When he ran, that was the whole progressive party and uh, the Bull Moose party. So he was originally going to go to Brazil and Argentina on a lecture tour and then just take a leisurely cruise down the Amazon River. And that's one thing I want to point out. I think when anybody who kind of knows vaguely about this, I think they think he went down the Amazon, but that was already discovered. This was a tr sort of a tributary in the Amazon basin. And yes, I'm doing things with my hands because I'm doing a map in my head. But yeah, so it would flow into these other rivers that ended up flowing into the Amazon. And, and this Rondon, the reason he was involved is he had discovered its headwaters in like 1909. Okay. But that was it. No one ever went down it. So this is like, and an it's like a really people hadn't done this sort of trip before. Right, right. So, so it's new and post-presidency. Mm -hmm. So what what else was making this trip in particular spectacular other than it's the first time? Well, what happened was the, the uh, president of Brazil, he, he heard that Roosevelt was coming. So he, this sort of was his idea because after World War II, there were s several areas... Um, of, of places in other countries that were under dispute. And since they hadn't really explored the Amazon that much at this time, he was afraid other countries would come in. And he said also couldn't help to have the Americans on your side too. And so, but so it was started out sort of as a scientific-y kind of uh, expedition to new flora, new fauna, map the river, almost like a Lewis and Clark-ish kind of thing. Okay. And the reason, um, so Roosevelt readily agreed, and I think it was because he was still sort of in shock that he lost to Woodrow Wilson, who would be president in 1912. And, you know, he had that whole thing about him. I mean, he had been a rancher in the Dakotas. He had been on safari in Africa. He had been a hunter in Arizona, all these places. And, you know, his was the strenuous life. I know it. Roosevelt's had some... <laughs> He, so he always had this sort of thing for the outdoors. Mm -hmm. And so to him, this was a new challenge, especially at his age. Now, he was probably in his late 50s. Not that that's old, but for what was about to happen, it was fairly arduous. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't... I mean, nowadays, you might think of 50s, 60s, maybe early 70s, someone might take a trip, a safari, something like that. Right. But, I mean, he was an outdoorsman. Um, seems like 
he had a lot of strength of will to him. Yes, um, very much so. And so seeing a loss and it was like, what is he going to do? Well, with it? What's the he gonna do this American time? Museum of Natural History had sort of warned him, said, you don't, you're not really familiar with these kind of, with the rainforest, with these jungles. Maybe you shouldn't do it. And he, and he said, actually, his quote was, um, if it is necessary to leave my bones in South America, I am quite ready to do so. So he always had this sort of dramatic wow. flair. And I, I shouldn't say he was, because I'm in my mid-50s. I couldn't even imagine myself going down the Root River, which we know very well, <laughs> let alone what, what they did. In fact, they started in December of 1913. They finally got to the river. I mean, this is before they're even on the river, on February 27th, 1914. And, it took, and they were running short of food supplies already. So the party had to break up. There were 19 people. The parties had to break up because there wasn't enough food already before they even got on the river. Okay, so this trip for someone, you'd think, uh, you know, someone who was president is going to be very logistic, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they were in charge of a, a country. <laughs> right. um, few more people than 19 at the, in a country, right? Right. <laughs> and so they still... Logistically, they didn't have enough food. Right. He's in his, he's in his mid fifties and was already told that he probably shouldn't do this. Right. But no, he's still going to. So that's just kind of starting as a recipe for disaster to start. Right. And I think, as I read through some of this stuff, because they were most of these guys were also hunters. I think they thought, oh, we can just eat like we did. When we were on, you know, in Africa, or you know, we'd shoot a zebra or something, or, or if we were in the American West, we could shoot an antelope or something. But they don't know the flora and fauna. Exactly. So, which means there weren't a lot of those kinds of animals around. If you wanted to eat mosquitoes, there were millions of them, <laughs> and I mean, they they didn't run into a lot. So they, of course, they 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 relied a lot on the on fishing. Yeah, that makes sense. But what would happen was. Even when they got to the river, it was, it was really calm at the, at the beginning of it, when they got to the headwaters. But as you progress on the river, it, there's no more calmness. It's all, it's all like rapids. rapids. And the canoes would break. Sometimes the canoes would smash. Yeah, that makes sense. And you'd lose more provisions. They'd fall over. So they had to build new canoes. Or they had to take these big, heavy canoes on their backs and walk the wil through the wilderness there, the forest. Like a Boundary Waters trip, classic. Yes. Carrying these canoes. And they were constantly in danger of being attacked by alligators, piranhas. Mm -hmm. Rondon had a, a, a toe a bit off by a piranha. A, a, a snake had actually bit Roosevelt, but luckily it bit his boot and it didn't have enough to go through because it was thick leather. And so... Um, but the constant, uh, the, the, the flies and the mosquitoes when they would go to the riverbank at night, because when they were farther out from the banks, you wouldn't get these swarms. But as soon as you got, it's like all the mosquitoes said, hey, over here, because Well, here yeah, because we mosquitoes and water are kind of, they're, mosquitoes breed in the water, right? Right, exactly. And so also they encountered vampire bats. And uh -oh. Roosevelt wrote an account of their encounter with one, how they would... Like, if you were sleeping, they might land on you and just... <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm not going there, you know. That's... And if I recall, vampire bats are pretty big. Like, they're not <laughs> right. small. Um, that's kind of scary. And somehow, while this is all going on, because Roosevelt did this with a lot of his other trips, he's writing about it. 
So he's writing these dispatches, sending them off. I, I don't think he sent any more after they got to a certain point because there was no one around to take them. But they would go to Charles Scribner's and Sons in New York City, and I think they were either serializing it, but he did end up writing a book called Through the Brazilian Jungle, which he published, I'm sorry, Through the Brazilian Wilderness, which he published in 1914. But there's a great picture of him sitting down, writing, and a lot of the indigenous people that were with them were just kind of standing around him watching him do it. But in fact, it got so bad with, with the bugs and the insects, a lot of the guys had malaria, so they were all racked with fever. And, uh, but he would actually put on gloves to write and put like a cloth over his, like a beekeeper thing mm -hmm. to keep the bugs out from his face so he could write. So I just thought, all this time and he's writing, <laughs> he's writing. Meanwhile, he's got, I don't, I don't know, I think he had malaria because he was suffering from a high fever too. But then somewhere they had an accident on the river and he cut a big gash in his leg. Ooh. And you can well imagine what comes next. There's no medical. Oh no, do they? No. You're not telling me they just did surgery on his leg. Uh, they tried. Okay. Oh, I, I think there was some surgery attempted, but the leg stayed on. Okay. But it got totally infected, of course. You're telling me like the leg stayed on, like, like oh yeah, totally normal. His leg would just be cut <laughs> off, you know, completely normal. But it, so it got infected. Um, and and it, it, there was every night there was um, some people on the expedition thought every night they thought. By sun up, he will not be with us. Every morning they thought, by sundown tonight, he won't be with us. But every day he would just keep. That's when he made the comment about. Or no, he actually told, said, "Leave me here, go forward," because he thought he was hampering them and that they were in danger too if they didn't get going. But he he kept going, and his son Kermit Roosevelt was with him too. At, at his wife's insistence, Kermit go because she knew something might happen. Mm -hmm. And so Kermit, of course, wasn't going to leave his father out in the Brazilian jungles to die. But even Roosevelt said, well, if you have to leave me here, leave me here. I, it sounds so dramatic. And, and he kind of was a dramatic person in some ways. And so, um, so it, it got pretty bad. I was thinking of the Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness, which I know is about Africa. And then there's the movie Apocalypse Now. I always think of these things that involve these river expeditions that go totally awry. And uh, that's kind of, in fact, Candace Millard, which we talked about in our James Garfield podcast, yeah. she wrote a book called River of Doubt, Theodore Roosevelt's Darkest Journey, sort of sort of playing, I think, on the Heart of Darkness theme. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting, because I'm this whole time I'm imagining, it's like, could you imagine a president from like the past 20 years <laughs> Going on an expedition right. without like another Secret Service right. like tale and just being going and risking themselves like that because I, I guess when we're thinking of Roosevelt here is like he's more like I'm just a regular person and I'm gonna do what I want to do right um, including going on a very dangerous expedition right and he was he was a very outdoors person now, I know there's been some controversy with that because of his views on hunting and things of that nature, but he still was. In fact, there's a book called The Wilderness Warrior mm -hmm. by Douglas Brinkley, which is about, it's actually very good, I've read it, and it's about Theodore Roosevelt and his whole, throughout his whole life, how conservation, I wouldn't say environmentalism, that's a different thing, but 
how conservation was really sort of this thing. And Brinkley actually actually wrote a book about Franklin Roosevelt and this thing too, and that theme. So he was very much an outdoors man. And uh, injury or no, he's gonna he's gonna tread forward apparently. Right. And I just think you're right though to just sort of say, okay, let's go, without knowing. And you're there were no see. I mean, there were 19 people on the expedition. Mm-hmm. And what happened at one? And actually, they only lost one. Really, food issues, uh, piranhas, well, caiman, caimans, and gators. Right. They lost and one. Malaria, and malaria. Malaria. God knows what else. Would, insects were spreading. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it was. Um, Kermit's canoe had got sucked into a whirlpool and went over these falls, and one of the men that was with him drowned. Now, later on the journey, and this is where people, I think, are starting to get kind of losing it a little bit because of the hunger and things of that nature. Um, there was a murder on the expedition. A murder. One of the porters shot another porter who saw him stealing food. So now you have this murder. They're trying to find this guy because they thought, well, we should bring him to justice. He just committed a murder. But at this point, I think they were so worn out, they just let him go. <laughs> so they're, they're just fine. They're, they, yeah. they said, you stole food, but you know what? We don't really care right now. Right. So he killed a guy who caught him doing it. And so... Oh, wait, no. The person stealing yeah, was he, the one who shot a guy. Yeah, because some guy caught him doing it, so he murdered this guy. And then he took off into the forest. And the reason they left him in the jungle is because they figured, well, if he can't find his way around, he'd probably just... And I don't know if they ever found him. I, there was never any resolution to that. I know Rondon and Roosevelt sort of went around in circles on this because mm-hmm. Rondon's like, no, no, we have to find him because he has to be brought to justice. And I think the rest of them are like, let him go. Well, the jungle will bring him justice at that point. Yeah, pretty and much. Roosevelt was saying, leave my bones behind. I guess one person's bones were left behind <laughs> right. at least. But I was amazed when I, when I saw that, that that was it. I'm thinking, oh, man, there's had to be more than that because of just the whole circumstances of it, you know. And then I thought, you know, they were running out of food. What were they doing for water? I'm, unless they were just drinking out of the river because it was fresh water. And suppose they switched. I mean, that would be that would be what I think. Yeah. Because um, I mean, that's part of besides you know the ease of travel of not walking and going through all this vegetation. And right, we're so and we're so used to polluted waterways that I mean, I hate to say it like that, but in those, I mean. No one had really been down that river, so you probably could just drink out of it. I mean, there's still, I mean, there's probably all sorts of stuff in that river, right. but you're still better than... Get your uh, filtration systems out for <laughs> Your natural filtration right. systems. Um, I mean, it's better than nothing. Um, right. So, after Roosevelt gets this gash, this infected gash, how do they, how does this continue from there? Like, how does this journey keep going to the point that and then they i mean clearly you make a journey though this is like when i when i ride a bike somewhere it's like i have to go there but i also have to make it back Um, so how does this continue from there so it gets to a point where the the scientific part of the exhibition they just threw it out the window because it was a fight for survival Mm -hmm. at this point but actually they get to a point where they start seeing people And, and amazingly enough as opposed to other expeditions down these rivers in this area, they weren't attacked by any of the indigenous people that lived there. Some had been. In fact, just a a couple of years before this, one expedition was kind of wiped out. But 
there's not real a good explanation of why that was. I don't know if it's because they deemed him non-hostile, so they just let him pass. So they always had that fear, too. Um, but they kept, I think they, they would take Roosevelt. I don't think if he could walk, they would carry some, him in something. But they do get to a point where they run into somebody. And in, at this time, you had what were called, I don't know the Portuguese, I can't remember it, but they were called rubber men because they would um, go out and get rubber from the trees because at this time, especially for the United States market, when you started really having cars, but they ran into them. And so they gave them some provisions and some new canoes. And Rondon had actually uh, arranged for a Brazilian-slash-American party, relief party, to be waiting for them when they got to the end of the river. So when they made it that far, that relief party was there. So they were all saved. And so like, so, the, so the, the, it's now called, I looked it up as the, as the name Davida, but now when you look it up, it's, it's Roosevelt. It's the real Roosevelt, Roosevelt River. So they did get to the end of it. And uh, when he got back to New York, he was sort of greeted as this, uh, people were like, well, you know, they're sort of the conquering hero, but there was some controversy with that too. Well, what kind of controversy are we Because some about? people think he didn't make the journey. They thought he was just, it was all made up. Ah, so he just cut his leg open on, on his own. <laughs> right. Right. And that he, um, they didn't believe that he had, because one thing they had discovered was all these new uh, insects mm -hmm. and these animals. First-hand experience. Like a toucan. No one had ever seen one of those. This is the trip that discovered a toucan? I think so. I read something about a toucan. Maybe it was already discovered, but I don't think Roosevelt had ever seen one. Hmm. Because he was amazed at the color of everything, how colorful everything was, All the, even the animals, you know, the insects. And I looked up some of the insects that were... Not the mosquito, I know what that looks like. But <laughs> some of them, they had like these giant wasps that would sort of torment you too. Yeah, I, I mean, this is one thing that we kind of don't get today is that ex feeling of exploration with like right. true exploration. Like no one's documented these things before. And I, I specifically say documented rather than seen because somebody's probably seen Right, it. and one thing about Roosevelt is, and he did this on his other trips that mm -hmm. he would make, not only did you have to lug all the provisions, but you had to lug all his books. He would bring, bring like tons of books with him. And here's just a sample of what he brought to, uh, uh, he brought with him on his trip down the river. It looked like he took his last two volumes of Gibbon, which I'm guessing is the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. Okay. Uh, works by Sophocles, Epictetus, the Meditations of Marcus Aurelius, and Thomas More's Utopia. And he read like this all the time. Mm-hmm. And not only would it be books like this, because if he has notebooks, how many, I mean, seems like a very prolific writer in terms of yeah. these expeditions. He has yes. to carry those, too. And he was quite the um, scientist, really. I mean, he was a, a really good ornithologist. So was Franklin Roosevelt, by the way. They could tell bird calls, you know. So when he was out there, he was hearing bird calls he'd never heard before. So he assumed these were, these were new species that they were discovering. So he wasn't just... In a lot of ways, it wasn't just a publicity stunt. He was they were he really thought of it in scientific terms. Even when he made those other trips out west and stuff, um, but I just laugh at that. I think that's what he would bring with him to read. You know, is all these all these classical authors he'd bring with them. And we know as uh, librarians that like books aren't light. They're no, not, they're not simple to carry around with you or keep clean from. Right. 
an expedition like this. Imagine and, and, the dirt. And, and even in his weakened state, he was so outraged that people thought he was making this up that he went on a speaking tour. And he would go to places like the National Geographic Society. And in this era, the, there's all this going on. In the, and we've talked about this. I think we've touched on it in other podcasts. But there's all these things going on, like in the late 19th century, early 20th century, when it comes to exploration, because you're getting these groups, like the National Geographic Society. Mm -hmm. You're getting the beginnings of photography. So you can actually go and document these places, maybe even film in some ways. You know? Yeah, because now um, there's a whole genre of writing for this. It's travel writing. It's right. a whole genre. This is the era of that genre and really booming. Isn't Roosevelt wrote like 40 books, or maybe a little less, but I was looking at his bibliography, and it's really long. He wrote a three-volume book called Winning the West, which is all about Western animals. And but it, it's not like a presidential biography now where it's, you know, a ghost writer went through. It's no, him no, it's him legitimately. writing. He, he wrote the, uh, the Naval War of 1812. He wrote all these history things because he loved history. And we do, too. And so um, uh, that's how he was a very prolific writer. And, these, and, the, and, and his, he died when he was 60, so in a short life, which to me was kind of short, maybe not so much then, so he started out as a New York State Assemblyman. He was a commissioner of the U.S. Civil Service Commission. We talked about civil service before. He was the uh, president of the New York City Board of Police Commissioners. He was assistant secretary of Navy. He was governor of New York for a year. Then he was vice president, then president. So, he, so not only is he an outdoorsman, he's kind of got office jobs too. Like what stops him? Because apparently a gash to the leg, all these duties, Writing, people not believing him. None of that stops him from doing what he. Needs I think to do. it may go back to his childhood because when he was a, when he was young, he was very sickly, and it was his father who really taught him to how you build yourself up. So by the time he went off to Harvard, he was a masculine. You know, he, he was he was he was a boxer and all this stuff, and I think that always nagged him that he didn't want to be that sickly child. I mean, I, I don't want to go too far afield here. But I think there was some of that, like, because he always said you have to lead a strenuous life. And he also always believed in public service. That's why I think these were always, always, these were always here. I mean, he started national parks. I mean, he was a very big advocate of national parks. And so um, I know some, there's some controversy today with some of his methods, but, but unfortunately, when he, he came back from the expedition, but I think the expedition really weakened him. And he already had kind of a heart issue. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that's what he died of. I think he died of pneumonia. But, and so he died in 1919. So only five years after he got back from this, he passed away. So uh, they think that this really put a strain on him that he didn't, couldn't recover from. But he still made it. And I think when we talk about Roosevelt, not many people know that he even did this. There's so many things. There's so many facets to him. So, but... His son, Kermit Roosevelt, I was wondering what happened to him. Like, because he went with and, well, he actually committed suicide in 1943 in Alaska, of all places. He was there as part of the military during World War II. And Theodore Roosevelt Jr. died a year later at D-Day, about a month after D-Day lands had a heart attack. He was in the Army, too. But I was reading about it and I was going, wow. <laughs> but his, his, a lot of people know Roosevelt also because of his one daughter, and I'm forgetting her name, which is not good, because she was sort of a, a Washington D.C. hostess and all this stuff. So, but very interesting. And 
I think once the expedition was over, they were able to map all those areas out. And so, like I said, the, the one river that they were on runs into a river here. And then I'm not going to try to pronounce that. The ally really so it's like a river from the west, east, something goes. Yeah, it goes into another river, which goes into another river, which then goes into the Amazon, mm -hmm. and then you can, the Amazon, you take the rest of the way. So it's a bunch of tributaries and tributaries for yes. the Amazon. Yes. But I keep it, when I was reading about this, I was reading about, I was thinking about other trips people took too, and that was always one of the things about explorations. Like, well, yeah, of course we haven't been there, so let's go. And I think about when I was reading. The journals of Lewis and Clark one time, and I was always amazed at how matter of fact they were. Like, mm -hmm. oh, um, I'm just laying here covered in bear grease because there's a thousand mosquitoes, <laughs> as if somehow this happened every day to people. Yeah, it's interesting because now I th just think of taking a trip nowadays. Like, you plan how long we're we gonna be there, uh, how are we gonna get there, how much is it gonna cost, how much we're gonna pay for something and this is just like modern modern travel um we don't really I, I i think something with expeditions like this where they're like we're going with this much food we have this many people let's go like right it, it's so it's almost spontaneous almost right it sounds like um and even like for provisions you know we talk about lewis and clark well at least they could live off the you know bears and that and they'll meet, um, they'll meet indigenous folk as well. Yes, who will help them. And there wasn't a lot of that going on here. Especially and, when there are only two of them. Yes. And so uh, that's what I said. That's where I think they thought they could just restock their, their food plants. But there wasn't a lot of things to really eat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Unless they like caimans. Um, right. And, and so and a lot of the animals lived in the... I mean, at one time, I think Roosevelt had monkey stew or something, but... A lot of the animals lived in the canopies. Yeah, because so they couldn't a lot reach of, them. Uh, arboreal stuff. Right, so they couldn't reach them. And so you had that. So, But yeah, so a lot of people speculate that this kind of broke Roosevelt's health, which wasn't great to begin with. He was also overweight. Plus, he was carrying a bullet in his chest from an assassination attempt that happened on October 14, 1912, in Milwaukee. A Milwaukee, really? Yeah, in fact, he was shot in Milwaukee. And even though he was bleeding through his shirt and his vest, he went up and he still made the speech because he said he's going to make the speech, then you can take him to the hospital. So he just kind of propped himself up, and he had a, he had a book in his pocket that stopped the bullet. So it, Of course. I mean, not to, it slowed it down, so it didn't go totally in. That's what caused the blood. This is just a, a light, uh, we're trying to sell you on books. We're really trying to sell you <laughs> I, on exactly. books. Exactly. <laughs> a book saved his life, so... Maybe it'll save yours. Exactly. And so, yeah, it was, uh, so he survived that. And that's, but that can't be good. You know, we've talked about it before, running around with a, well, no, with a but, bullet in your body. I mean, would he, would, would he have, do you honestly think, would he have gone out any other way than have, having done this trip? No. Like, exactly. It's almost like he just burned out and there you go. Like, it sounds, for how he was as a, as a person, that would be, like, doing this trip would definitely be a no, I'm not going to regret this kind right. of yeah. thing. And if it cut his life shorter than it would have been if he didn't do the trip, I don't think he would have been upset about it. If he, I mean, if he knew. Like, if he, right. if he knew five years after this trip you're going to die because you've, you know, you've burned yourself out, your body out, your mind out, 
right. um, probably still do it. Um, that's right. kind of that's what it sounds like the person he was. He always needed a challenge, I think. And after he lost that third time as president, he knew that his public career was probably done. Mm-hmm. That there's no no more ways to come back from another from a loss. He didn't have an, it wasn't another one because he did serve two terms. And so I think he just wanted another challenge because he didn't couldn't stand sitting at home. And uh, and so he thought. This would be perfect, and they all, and the Brazilian government are the ones that kind of said, "Yeah, let's let's do this. It's good for it's good publicity. Plus, we have we can strengthen our ties to the United States, and uh, so yeah, I think that all those things came together, and he really went for the idea. So it wasn't like he was pushed into it, <laughs> but that's when his mother or his wife said, "Kerman has to go because someone needs to watch you." <laughs> yeah, because she knew he would do things to sort of that were probably kind of dangerous, like leave himself behind. Right, yeah. So, so yeah. So, the, so it was successful. And uh, in 1926, another expedition went down the river and pretty much confirmed what Roosevelt found. In fact, there was an expedition in 1992 that that did it. And uh, so it's been proven that he did he did do this. This wasn't a hoax. Mm-hmm. Of course, in those days, it's hard to tell. I mean, there's no. Don't not, people aren't taking selfies in the Brazilian jungle. <laughs> eh, maybe, you know, vacation plans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could reenact it. Down. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go in the Amazon these days. <laughs> but, yeah, so so it, it worked, and uh, it was sort of the last thing of his life because after that his health went down the hill. And, and no, it wasn't, actually, because he did speak about World War I mm-hmm. during the war. He kind of to rally people and stuff. So, But I think all that exertion eventually... Because of his sickly childhood, I think he, that's why he had the bad heart. And so, okay. so yeah. So I think uh, so. This was just a facet I thought would be interesting mm-hmm. because I don't think many people realize that he sort of did this after everything else. Mm-hmm. So, wow, that's amazing. And so I, gosh, I almost don't even have to be like, let's keep going. But it's <laughs> it's we have so many places and times and history to I go know. through. So, So, Scott, where are we cruising through next time? Well, next time I'm going to talk about the Lincoln assassination. Now, I know it seems to be well-trodden ground, but I'm going to bring it sort of a different perspective to it. Okay. Well, I'll look forward to the different perspective for next time. All right. Oh, hey, Scott, did you know that listeners can actually contact us now? They can. How can they do that? Yeah, they can just email us at um, historycruise at mykpl.info. Great. Also, like and subscribe on any of the platforms you find this podcast.